teaching today is the living God. Once you have that verse in your Bible, please say amen so we can read it together. I'll wait. Amen? All right. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Thank you for allowing us to serve you and to worship you. We are here knowing that you are here with us, that you hear our praise, and we open our hearts to receive your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives as, as they are today. In your name we pray. Amen. So, uh, you know, many scientists, uh, psychologists, and all, us, uh, all that people, they try to figure out why do we gather on Sundays. So people say that we gather because we need fellowship, which is true. We need fellowship with our fellow Christians. Some people say that we gather because we just need something to believe on. And so there's many answers to that according to the world. But we as Christians know that we gather together because we believe in the living God. We believe that he is here. We believe that he hears our worship. We believe that he is willing to speak to us today. And that's why we open our Bibles. That's why we decide to serve God. That's why our gatherings, our meetings together have meaning. Can you say amen to that? And today, we, as we read Jeremiah, we think about the living God. You know, I want to tell you a story about Martin Luther's wife. She was a respectful wife. But one time, um, he was depressed. He, his depression lasted for several days. One day, she, I think she got fed up of it. I don't know. But she, that morning, she waked up and she was wearing a, a black dress, like a morning dress. And, and so he asked her, why are you wearing that dress? And she said, because God has died. He said, you are a crazy woman. God is alive. And then she said, no, God must be dead because you are sad. And that strike in his mind. That opened his heart and said, yes, why? I don't have any reason to be upset and depressed because I believe in the living God. God used uh, Luther's wife to speak to his heart. And I think God wanted to use Jeremiah to speak to his people's heart. You know, they were going through a different kind of depression. A depression out of, uh, that was a result of sin. There were sinful uh, a nation. They were leaving God behind and accepting different gods that weren't gods. They were being, they were being idolatrous. They would have different gods from other people. And so God spoke to Israel through Jeremiah. I think God has us here today, hearing this sermon and listening to Jeremiah to remember, for us to remember that God is the one and only living God. <clears throat> it is interesting, though, that even though uh, Jeremiah was speaking to the people, they didn't hear. 
They didn't listen. God used Jeremiah to uproot idolatry from their hearts. He wanted to use Jeremiah to lead them to the true God and for them to build again, build upon the true living God. There's a, they, they were singing. They, they were just away from him. The Bible says that their leaders uh, were corrupted. They were allowing um, social injustice in the midst of God's people. Even their religion was corrupted. The Bible says that were, they were worshiping God. And then right after that, they were going out and worshiping other gods, idols. Some theologians call this obscene religion. And I think we see that today. Jeremiah described this type of religion like adultery, prostitution, promiscuity, and a spiritual infidelity. And he was speaking about idolatry. And so how do people that, were, that knew God, people that loved God, how did, how did they became, oh, become idolatrous? Well, they just wanted to be like the other nations. That's the answer. They wanted to be like the other nations. They want to live like the other nations. They want to have what the other nations had. And today you might say, well, what does that have to do with me? I love God, you might say. Or you might say, you know what, I'm not, you know, we're not in Jeremiah's time anymore. And I don't have any idols. I don't have any figurines in my house. I don't have any images. Uh, but let me tell you something that maybe today God wants to show you that you might have something in your heart. You know, it's easy when you grow up in a, in a, a Catholic nation like Mexico. And it's easy to spot or to see when somebody, is, ha, somebody has a little shrine in their house or they have images. Um, I remember just taking the taxi and the taxi driver had a little, you know, whatever image they had. They have a saint for every job in Mexico. And so the good thing about driving in Mexico, though, especially with a taxi driver, is that you pray, you know. <laughs> you pray. I mean, you know, and sometimes they say that, you know, Mexican pastors uh, are going to have less rewards in heaven than taxi drivers. <laughs> because as pastors, we put people to sleep. Taxi drivers put people to pray, you know. But... You know, it's easy to spot somebody that's, the, you know, they're religious. But here today, it's maybe you see you're saying, well, not, not here. You know, I don't see that in this country as much. But the thing is that idolatry is something in your heart. You know, uh, John Calvin said that our hearts are factories that build idols. Factory, our idol factories. And I believe that is true. I believe our nature is to build up our own idols. And, you know, that brings me to our first point for today is that we need, as Christians, we need to uproot idolatry from our hearts. We need to uproot uh, idolatry from our hearts. You know, uh, Paul said it like this in Colossians 3.5, Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is 
What is it? Idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. And I think that's the root of the problem. That's the heart of the problem. Our hearts, we covet. We desire things. Idolatry is a matter of the heart, people. And we need to uproot it from our hearts. Bible says, put it to death. And so today, you know, as you think about yourself, those cravings, those wantings, those enjoying of things that you probably enjoy more than God, that's probably an idol. What is idolatry? I have a small definition, and there are so many definitions, but this is the one I wanted to use. A disorder, love, or desire. Loving more than God, what ought to be loved less than God. A disorder, love, or desire. Loving more than God, what ought to be loved less than God. Is there something in your life that you love more than God? The true living God? Sometimes in my own life, I, I need to say, yes, sometimes I do. And I have three questions and, uh, in your screens that I want to think about with you. The first question is this, and maybe you can ask yourself this question. Uh, what place do finances have in our lives? What place do finances have in our lives? Money, our things, our career. Are those things that we use to draw near to God and thank God because he is a generous God. He gave these things. Or this, the, this, looking for these things, the hunting for these things are drawing us even more further from God. This is a question that needs to be answered in our own lives. How about our personal identity? Your appearance. I think this is something I've been struggling with. What people think about us or what I feel about myself. I've been struggling with that. I've been thinking about my weight recently. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not saying I'm doing anything about it. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> Have you been like that? Have you been in that place? You don't diet, you don't work out, you just think about it. <laughs> and, and, but that just takes, takes your mind of God, out of God. That's been my problem recently. Am I alone on this one? Raise your hand then. <laughs> oh, so easy to, to get lost, isn't it? So is it to allow a desire, a thought, and just to linger in our minds more than it should be? And sometimes even more than our, our thankfulness, more than our praise to the one and only God. And that's idolatry. That is idolatry. How about our personal relationships? Are you more concerned about your romantic life than your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you more worried about your spouse or your future spouse? The one you don't have? The one that's waiting for you? 
instead of enjoying Jesus. We were singing minutes ago, give me Jesus. Is that real? Is that real, real words for us? Lord, don't give me a spouse. Give me Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, as Christians, we don't realize how idolatrous we are until we discover how little we love God and how much we love other stuff. We don't realize that. My hope, my prayers that today you can realize that, that maybe there's something in our hearts that shouldn't be there. The good news is that there's, there's a prescription that Jeremiah gave to the people. And this is a prescription. Repent from that and turn to the living God. It's that easy. Repent from that and return to the living God. That's what Jeremiah was saying. And that takes us to the second point in this morning. Our true need is for the living God. We need God. Many of the things that we interpret as needs today... Amen. Many of the needs or the things that we interpret as needs are actually the cry of our souls asking for the living God. Many of the things that you say you need, it's just your soul saying, I need Jesus. I need God. You know, my prayer today is that you finally are able to understand that many of those midnight cravings is your soul asking for God. Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. That we just need to step out of our bed and kneel and seek God. And you will find satisfaction in him. That loneliness that you feel when your friends say goodbye. And that you're chatting and you're trying to reach somebody else because you feel alone. It's not that you need friends. You need God. That uneasiness, that when you see the news, when you see what's going on in the world, when you see the problems in your family, when you see the needs in your church, and you're just uneasy. It's not because you're holy. It's not because you understand the times more than other people. It's just your soul saying, get satisfaction in God. Your heart saying, I need God. David knew this. And that's why he wrote Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, church, our, our soul needs an encounter with God. So today I'm not going to ask you when was the last time you thirsted for God. What I'm going to say to you today is when was the last time you allowed God to quench that thirst? When was the last time you allowed God to just come to your life, to your mind, to your situation, just bring you satisfaction with his presence? Because that's why we're here today. So many people say, oh, today, Sunday was a great experience. 
You have to ask people, why do you mean, what do you mean by that? Oh, worship was great. Oh, pastor was funny. Or he was insightful. Or sermon was short. <laughs> but none of those things make a good experience if you don't find God. Only God can satisfy. Only God can bring a change in our lives. I've been in that place where I come to church every Sunday. I've been there. I praise Jesus. I sing. I read the Bible. I laugh with the jokes. I meditate. I agree with the pastor. But as soon as I go out, I say I need to find my satisfaction in something else. I've been there. And I know many of you have been there too. Maybe you are there right now. Maybe you're watching your, your watch right now because you're thinking about how to seek for your own idol, your own God right after worshiping the true and living God. I've been there, church. And I just want to say to you today, your need, your craving, your soul is asking for God. And that's it. And this is the great thing about it. This is the great thing about this. And just, um, you know, I don't get many, t uh, many times to teach here. So I'm going to just say it all. Oh. Uh, and then the pastor's not here. So <clears throat> even better. I don't know if I agree with that idea of, you know, you know, in churches we talk about seekers, people that are seeking for God. I don't know if I agree with that idea. Let me tell you why. Because God said that whoever looks for him, he will find him. God is not hiding. God is not hiding. There's no way there could be seekers because whenever you seek God, you find him. He is good. He's not hiding from us. He has his word. He came for us. He is the seeker. He is the true seeker. He came to seek, to look for us and save us. And he suffered for us. So today you feel like you're a seeker. You better say right after the service, I found God because he is here. I found him. Sometimes I talk to people, you believe it, God? No, I'm a seeker. You're a seeker? What's wrong with you? Because I found God and I wasn't looking for him. He found me. Aren't you thankful that God found you? God found us. He is good. I, I understand what you're trying to say with that word, but I think, I think we need to say that the real seeker is God. And today, he is knocking on the door. Today, he's saying, you know, we need to uproot idols and understand that our real need is for God. Don't you feel your soul wanting God right now? You know, he, the creator of heavens and earth, your creator can satisfy you today. 
whatever need you have, whatever problem, whatever sin you have, God can satisfy it right now. He is the true ruler of the whole world. You know when you see a person seeking or following or serving an idol, you see a dead soul. You see a blind soul. You see a burdened person. God can bring you freedom. Are you tired of just needing stuff? Let me give you good news. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need you. We need things to stay alive. But God doesn't need anything to stay alive. That's why lovers say, please don't leave me. If you leave me, I will die. <laughs> and probably true. <laughs> but God doesn't need that. I think that's why God decided to appear to Moses in a burning bush. Remember that story? And I see, you, see, you can see, matching with me, that burning bush right there. And it's not consuming, the fire is not consuming, but the bush is still green. Because God is a fire that doesn't need fuel. He doesn't need anything to exist. He doesn't need you. When my mom died, somebody said, came up to me and said, Pastor, I'm so sorry, but you know, I think God needed your mom up, upstairs. I knew what she wanted to say, this person. She just wanted to comfort me. But God didn't need my mom upstairs. God doesn't need me upstairs. We need God. That's why we're here. We need our God. Imagine how religion in Christianity today would change. We understand that, that we are the ones that need God and not God needing us. He came just out of pure love. His love that moved his sovereignty, that sovereignty that moved his grace, that grace that moved his mercy. That mercy that move our hearts. We need God. And I'm so thankful that that God that needed anything decide to love me and to love you. Isn't that awesome? God. Have you ever felt like you're not there? Many people say this. This is something that we don't say in Mexico, but I hear it here in the States. I don't feel like myself today. We don't say that. We don't have an expression for that. But I hear it here often. I don't feel like myself today. You know, God never feels like that. Because God is always himself. Isn't that good? So he's always 100% love, 100% holy, 100% perfect, 100% powerful. This morning, he is 100% God and he is 100% here with us. Isn't that great? When you feel like that, when your soul says, like, you know, honey, I don't feel like myself today. 
I think I need Starbucks. <laughs> no, you need God. <laughs> he can satisfy. You see what I'm saying? We're so used to asking the world to satisfy us. And God is the only one that can satisfy your soul. Only God can do it. I don't feel like myself. I think I'm going to take some pills. I don't feel like myself. Well, you're entitled to that because you're human. But now I tell you that you have God. And he can satisfy you. He can bring satisfaction. He can bring wholeness to your life, to your marriage, to your relationships, to your ministry. Let me tell you something. Whenever we gather here, every Sunday or Thursday, there's never, never something lacking in our services. Yeah, there's changes in our services. Sometimes uh, you know, worship is only three songs, maybe two songs. Maybe, I don't know, things change. But we always have 100% of, of our God every time. So whenever you feel like you go out there and, you know, and you say, oh, I don't know, service was, eh. <laughs> no, it wasn't the service, it was you. <laughs> it was you. Sometimes we, we blame the pastor. I don't know, pastor there was, I don't know, today he was. <laughs> so easy, right? But it was you. It was you. Because you weren't yourself today. <laughs> Praise God that he is 100% his self every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. So we need to uproot idolatry from our hearts. We need to understand that our real need is for God. And now we need to understand that it's our part to build upon that living God. We need to build our lives upon that living God. That means that our worship life should be built upon God. Not our experience, but God. The one and only that deserves glory and honor. It is an honor to be here today, church. It is an honor. So many people today in the world, they're wanting to have a church. And many don't have a place of worship. Many don't have a place of worship. It's a privilege for us to be here. The building we have, the seats that you have, the air conditioning, this awesome, what is this? <laughs> Screen. We even have coffee outside. That's, we're so, so blessed. But it's a privilege. We're not entitled to this. Somebody paid for this. 
and it wasn't you. It was God. So our worship needs to be built upon that truth. This is how the church interpret this. Oh, not church, sorry, Israel. When they started, when they went out from Egypt, they were in the desert. And then Moses spoke to them, and they heard the voice of God. Remember that story? And the mountains were trembling. There was smoke going up. Imagine that. And this is what they said in, uh, I just struggle with this uh, book of the Bible. The name of the fifth book of the Bible, what is it? What is it? That's the one. I'll challenge you to say Deuteronomio. <laughs> Chapter 5, verse 26 says this. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? This is a rhetorical question. And, and, and they, this is what they're saying. What a privilege we have. Nobody else has this privilege. They have idols for sure. They have a system of worship for sure. But we have the living God. And he's speaking to us. And not only that, we get to live after. We don't die because his mercy is for us. We don't die because he loves us. We don't die because we are his chosen ones. And that same truth is applied to us today, church. Who else has this privilege? Only us. So many people today in this country and around the world don't have the privilege to worship the true living God. But we do. So we should make the most of it. Our worship should be around our living God. And so what is worship? All that we do. Not only here, but outside. Our works, our families, our relationships. The way we think. Everything is worship. If we make it so. You are able to have a relationship with God because he is worthy. Worthy of worship. Worthy of be, being feared by us. So make, let's make our worship uncompromised. Let us do, offer God real worship, which is only out of the heart. God is also seeking for worshipers, isn't he? So this morning, he was seeking worshipers from us. Let's respond accordingly. So not only we build up our lives upon the living God through worship, but also through service. We should serve our Lord. And there's so many ways to serve God. And I'm thankful to be part of a church where so many people are serving him. Not only inside the church, but outside the church. Not only with our local church, but also many of you are working with other ministries, which is great. Because we are all serving the one and living God.
But we are, we should be, all of us, serving God through prayer, being generous, supporting others, offering our time for the Lord. You know, this is the tough thing about serving. It involves suffering. Service is sacrifice. Service is sacrifice. Many of us don't understand that principle. We want to serve God without sacrifice. We don't want to sweat. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want to feel that we're sacrificing something. But service is sacrifice. And God is worthy of our sacrifice. Not because, not because we win things through sacrifice. Not because we... We're hoping to get something from God, but God is worthy of our sacrifice because he sacrificed himself for us. He did it. He showed us the way. He showed us the way of ministry. Many people say, oh, I want to serve God. But what time? (laughs) On Sundays? No, Sundays is for me to enjoy God. Sundays is for me to enjoy the service. So we haven't understand what is service and what is sacrifice. Paul writing to Timothy, we don't have that verse on your screen, but you can listen to it. First Timothy 4.10. 4, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Paul said to Timothy, that's why we serve and are willing to suffer because we trust the living God. Only the people that know the living God are willing to sacrifice and serve God. Many people are willing to be part of a movement. Many people are willing to be part of something good. Many people want to make a change or a difference in their world, but only people that have been redeemed serve the living God. Only the redeemed, only the people that understand that your relationship with God is through the suffering of Jesus Christ. And if he gave his life for me, then I'm willing to give my life for him. That is service. That is the real relationship with God. Many people are not willing to open their houses for others. Oh, no, because I have to clean after. (laughs) We need to understand that service is sacrifice. We need to understand that there is a price. There was a price for our souls. And there is a price for us to serve the living God. David said one time, I, wouldn't offer, I won't offer God anything that it doesn't cost. Would you do that today? Would you examine your service to the Lord? You know, sacrifice is not only about church and service, but also in family. Oh, every good relationship needs sacrifice. Because marriage is suffering. (laughs) 
Only the merry ones laugh. <clears throat> it is suffering. It's denying yourself to bless other person, other people, your spouse. It's denying yourself. It's forgiving that person that doesn't deserve forgiveness. It's loving that person that is selfish. And that is sacrifice. So many people want to see a breakthrough in their marriage, but they're not willing to sacrifice for it. They want other people to fix it for them. Instead of saying, you know what, God, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my marriage. And people that want to get married, be aware of this. Beware. Marriage is sacrifice. And that's the only way you can enjoy it. That's the only way you can actually enjoy marriage, through sacrifice. Having kids is a sacrifice. Raising kids is a sacrifice. Work is a sacrifice. Things on this side of the world are not easy. But we can serve God and say, Lord, I'm willing to accept the price. Because you paid it for me. And I believe many people, even though I'm kind of joking, but it's true. Many people here are struggling in their marriages today. And you're just wanting a miracle. You're asking God, God, would you do a miracle in my marriage? And maybe the miracle is your heart change. Maybe the miracle you need is that you just change your heart and say, Lord, I'm going to start sacrificing for my spouse because I trust you, because you love me. Finally, we edify our lives on the true living God, not only by worshiping and serving, but trusting God. Yes, I talk, already talk about sacrifice and suffering, and we don't like that. Many people are depressed right now. But... Let me tell you this, we have a living God. And the best example I see in the Bible, one of my favorite verses is Job 19.25. Job 19.25, for I know that my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Who believes that? Job went through so many Bad stuff. Suffering. I mean, if you want to talk about suffering, Job is your example. You know, he had, I don't know, just Satan against him. Real spiritual battle. Real physical need. Real physical loss. His wife didn't understand him, and he had a bunch of stupid friends. Like, it's like life today. <laughs> but in the midst of that, even though he was suffering, he said this, I know my Redeemer lives. He was not having vacation. He was not drinking Starbucks. He was suffering. And the only thing that had him is the trust that God lived. And not only live, but care for them, him. In the midst of that, he knew a God 
that it wasn't cruel. He knew a God that could relate to him. He knew a God that could be his vindicator. He knew God will eventually bring him up. And he did because our God is alive and he is faithful. And if you suffer for him, you will reign with your God. That's what the Bible says. See, we don't suffer because we think about tomorrow. We suffer because we think about eternity. You understand what I'm saying? Because tomorrow might not change. But we are not the people of tomorrow. We are the people of eternity. We think about our time with God through the ages. And if you suffer with him, you will reign with him. That's what the Bible says. Job said, I believe my Redeemer is alive. So in the midst of his poverty, in the midst of lacking, he had it all. He was rich. He was blessed. He knew God and God knew him. He was his and God was his God. And in the midst of your own suffering, you can say, I know my Redeemer lives. In the midst of your needs, in your marriage, your physical need, you can say, I know my Redeemer lives. And he is for me and I will trust him. Because let me give you good news. He is faithful. He lives. And I love a verse. It's not, I don't have it in my notes. But I do remember this verse that says about Jesus. He lives to intercede for us. Isn't that awesome? He lives to intercede for us. That means that. He's right now praying for you. Today, you might not be able to have, get prayer for some, from somebody. But today I tell you, Jesus is praying for you. So whatever need, whatever burden, whatever struggle you're in, he is the living God. He is interceding for you. So why? Why have idols? Why look in another place where we can find in God? And why don't we edify our lives upon the true and living God? Let's pray. Oh God, our God, we love you. And we so need you. We ask for forgiveness today. We're so sorry, Lord, for the many times that we just trust ourselves. The many times we put something else in our lives, in our minds and hearts that is not you. The many times that we sit in your throne, something that shouldn't be there. You deserve the first place in our minds and hearts. You are the reason for our worship. You are the reason for our service and our trust. Today we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. 
I just, we believe in your gentle call today. And we just want to answer to that. As we pray, I believe sincerely that there's people here that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're one of those people that said, I'm a seeker. Today, I, I tell you, God is here. And if you truly want to meet God, he really wants to meet you. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life. He paid for your sins. He paid with a sacrifice. He died and resurrected. He is alive today and willing to forgive you. He is willing to save you. He is willing to be your God and to adopt you to his family. If you are in need of belonging, if you're in need of satisfaction, God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And today I ask you, please surrender your life to him. Please surrender your heart to him. And so today I just want to allow the spirit to speak to your heart. Believe me, you feel in your heart a little tag. If you're getting nervous today, it's because the spirit is talking to you. He wants you to accept Jesus Christ. And as Tony is leading us in a worship time, singing, I want you, church, to be praying. But also, if there's anybody here that wants to meet Jesus Christ personally, I just want you to step out of your place right there and come up front. I want to pray for you. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. And I see it now, I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. Cause my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again. Don't resist God. He loves you so much. And He's extending His love to you. So if there's anybody else, please come up. I also want to encourage you, Christian. Maybe God spoke to your heart today. And like me, you notice that there's something there that shouldn't be in your heart. That's something there in the wrong place taking the place of God, taking the place of your real worship. And if that's you and you just want to give that to Jesus today, 
If that's you and you just want to start anew with God, just come up. Come up. I want to pray for you also. Tony is going to keep singing with us. But church, I just really want to encourage you. Take this step of faith and come up. You saw my condition Had a plan from the start Your son for redemption The price for my heart And I don't have a context For that kind of love I don't understand, I can't comprehend, all I know is I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. Cause my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father I'm done with the hiding, no reason away. Cause my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 oh. I'll run to the Father, I fall in. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. Respond to Jesus Christ. Respond to his love and mercy. Family, I'm so happy for each one of you. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. I want to congratulate you for your decision. Today is the beginning of a new life with God, the true and living God. So I'm going to lead you in a small prayer. You guys ready? Lord God, we believe in you. And we do ask for forgiveness. We're sorry, Lord, for the things we have done, for the idols in our hearts. Today, we give all that to you. We surrender our lives to you. Take our lives, our present and our future. We give it all to you. Trust you, God. We trust you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.